0: Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 1, the word declares, It is God who spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor, uh, to, to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. that is, your neighbors. And the word of God summarizes, and Christ testifies, that these laws are summarized in these two great commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first and the great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commands depend all of the law and the prophets. So people of God, we hear uh, that word and we seek to uh, respond. And in response, let's turn together to number 201, 201. Uh, "O my soul, bless thou Jehovah verses 1, 3 and four. <laughs> In First Corinthians chapter 1, one Corinthians chapter one the word of our Lord comes to us, we look at verse twenty one. For since the for since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Than men. And so, people of God, as we hear God's law, as we confess our sin, we rejoice in that God whom we are totally and ultimately dependent upon for every aspect of our lives and the glorious reality of the wisdom of God preached, believed on because God has called us out of darkness, out of foolishness, into the wisdom of God. And so we rest in the cross of Christ. And in that confidence, people of God, let us draw near unto our Lord in our congregational prayer. Let us pray. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you, O God, that You have called us together as your people in worship. Father, we praise you for you are the God who upholds us. You are the God who sustains us. You are the God who has saved us. You are the God who has revealed in your word the glorious truth of the glories of Christ and the power of the gospel unto salvation. And for this, O oh God, we give you thanks. We thank and praise you, O oh God, that you have blessed us and you have blessed this congregation. Uh, we thank you for uh, Nathan DeWint and Rachel, who were united in, in marriage and Father, we give you all the praise and honor. We thank you, O God, and we ask that you would bless them as they go together in Christ, as two individuals yet one, one in marriage. Father, what a what a powerful testimony to our world! What a what a glorious blessing that you have given as you have brought these two together in Christ. And now, O Lord, we pray that you would bless their marriage. And, Father, may they be that living testimony of the love of Christ to his church and the love of the church and obedience of the church to Christ in a world that is so confused about what it means to be husband and wife, male and female, what it means, Father, to be human, We pray, O God, that you may uh, use us as your people. Uh, For those of us who you have called into marriage, that you would use the marriages. For us that are uh, single, that we may, Father, bear testimony of your grace and power in that. And Father, we pray, O Lord, that you may use us uh, to bear testimony to a a world that is dying of the glories of the gospel. Uh, We thank you, Father, that uh, we do that, and we can testify to those things together as the people of God. Uh, We pray, Father, that you would uh, be with um, the church of Jesus Christ near and far, uh, the church of Jesus Christ that bears uh, our name, and that does not we thank you, Father, for the United Reformed Churches, and we ask, Lord, your blessing upon uh, the work of the church. We ask, Father, that you might be uh, near to the uh, classes uh, Michigan as churches meet together to discuss various matters, and uh, Lord, we ask that you might um, bring the testimony of Christ and the truth of Christ to bear upon that meeting and that what we do may be done to your name's honor and glory and for the benefit of the people of God and that we may uh, grow in grace and in knowledge and walk faithfully before you. O oh Lord God, may we as your people uh, continue to be in prayer for our um our, uh, churches and the proclamation of the gospel, both near and far. Uh, Lord, we pray that your name may be honored and the truth of the gospel may go forth. We thank you, O God, that you have called us together as your people. Uh, We thank you that we are a people that understand Uh, the depth and the glories of your truth as it touches upon our lives and in all things that you have called us to. And Heavenly Father, we pray that we may walk ever more faithful before you. Oh, Lord, we thank you that your word is settled in the heavens, that your faithfulness endures to all generations that you establish the earth and it abides. And Father, uh, we thank you that uh, your word uh, continues this day according to all the things that you have ordained. And particularly, Father, as your word makes so clear that Christ rules for the sake of your servants. Oh, Lord, we pray that you may continually make your law and your word our delight. For apart from them, we would have perished in affliction. We would have perished in foolishness. But, O Father, may we never forget your precepts. May by them we live and rejoice. And so, O Father, we thank you for all that you have revealed to us In your word. May we seek the truth of your word. Father, may we know that the wicked wait to destroy us and the testimony of your word, but we will hold fast to it. You are the one that brings about and fulfills all your purposes. And we thank and praise you, O God that we are not dependent upon ourselves, we're not dependent upon the world, but, Father, that we rest in you. Father, may that rest be a living testimony to the world of what it means to be renewed in Christ, uh, to be that living testimony. And we thank you, O God, that uh, your word has directed us in such a way and its principles and foundations are set before us in such a way that, Lord, we of all people are a people that ought to testify to the joy of salvation, the joy of life. Lord, we thank you that we are called to rejoice in you. Father, we thank you that our life, the Christian life, life in Christ, is not a life in which you have called us to drudgery or fear. But Lord, whether it's in the midst of suffering or in the midst of, of peace in the moment, walking through the valley of the shadow of death or resting in the green pastures, We thank you, O God, that you are our shepherd, that you lead us, you guide us. And Father, we are held by you and we are given life, not death, life, abundant life, a life with a peace that passes all understanding, a a life in which a, a love is expressed that is beyond measure, a life in which joy is exhibited. And so, Lord, uh, may we, even though the world may be filled with disarray, and, and it is, Father, with misery and death and, and suffering in the, the depths, may we know, O God, in every circumstance that you are our God and that we are blessed and not cursed. And so, Heavenly Father, and we, may we be strengthened in these truths in this day. May we rejoice. This is the day that you have made. May we come together with joy and thanksgiving. May we be fed by your word. May we, O oh Lord, be strengthened by your spirit. May we rejoice in Christ. And Father, may we rest knowing that you, the sovereign, holy, almighty God, have called us uh, to be your children, and we draw near unto you as our Father who is in heaven. And so, O Lord, uh, bless us in this hour. Bless us in this new week. Uh, Bless us in the work that you set before us, whatever that may be. We ask all these things in the blessed name of our Lord and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our psalm of preparation is number 91. Number 91 from Psalm 49. And we will sing all the stanzas of number 91. This morning, we turn together in God's Word, Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26. We'll read together verses 1 through 12, and our focus will be on verses 4 and 5, with an ultimate contrast between the fool and the wise. And so we will move from the foolishness described in our text, to the wisdom of God revealed in Christ. And so we look together at uh, this uh, portion of God's Word to direct our uh, way of testimony, witness to the world. Proverbs chapter 26. People of God hear uh, the truth of God's word from that holy, infallible, inerrant word revealed. As snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a flittering sparrow, like a flying swallow, So a curse without cause shall not alight. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Let the legs of the lame that hang limp, like the legs of the lame that hang limp limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and then transgressor his wages. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Well, people of God, uh, this sets before us uh, the nature of a fool, which, of course, assumes as the text clearly declares a, uh, a contrast to the fool, and that is the wise. And so there is instruction for the wise in the text even as it warns against the fool. But it particularly directs us how to relate to the fool in verses five and six. And we are commanded in this text to answer a fool. We're also commanded not to answer a fool. Uh, we, are command, we are commanded to answer a fool according to his folly uh, so that he may see his folly. But we are commanded not to enter into the foolishness of the fool and so become ensnared in the fool's uh, perspective ourselves. This sets before us a way of how God wants us to interact with the fool in this world. It sometimes may be described as uh, us giving a... Uh, not just a defense of the gospel, but an offense. We we are on the offense when we answer the fool according to his own folly that he may see his foolishness. We have, as God's word, uh, both uh, a directive to declare the what of the gospel and the why of the gospel, And we do that both offensively and defensively. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, it commands us that we as God's people must be ready to give a defense of the hope that is within us. 1 Peter 3, uh, 13 uh, through 17. And And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Set God apart as holy and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So that's our defense. We we, We are ready to give a defense of the faith. We're ready to explain the faith and defend the faith. But we're also... To answer the fool according to his folly. And in that, we follow the pattern of 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, 3 through 6. And in this text, we are to tear down the foolishness of the fool, or as the text in Corinthians declares it, this way, beginning with verse 3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled so we, have, we are to pull down the strongholds, cast down uh, arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are to expose the foolishness of the fool without adopting the worldview of the fool by tearing down his worldview and ultimately declaring the truth of the gospel, the truth of the whole counsel of God. Now, certainly we can't exhaustively look at every aspect of that calling, but we can can skim the surface of how God would have us interact, how God would have us to interact with our world. Well, the first thing that our text makes clear is there is such a thing as a fool. Uh, that's something that is just abundantly clear. Uh, foolishness. It is described for us in most of the verses that we read. And it is a description of a fool. And it's a little bit different than when we sometimes use the word foolishness. And we say, well, that was kind of foolish. Uh, meaning, oh, that, that might end up to... You know, cause me a little bit of trouble in the future, right? It's just a little foolish to do that. Maybe because one of our children uh, or grandchildren, uh, you know, jump off a deck and they break their leg, and we go, well, that was foolish. You shouldn't be jumping off your deck and breaking your leg, jumping out of a tree and breaking your arm. Uh, you might not want to do those kinds of things, they're a little foolish. But that's not, of course, how the scripture is using the word foolish here. Uh, This foolishness is rebellion against God. It is self-exaltation. It is a sinful, destructive lifestyle. It is that which is committed to uh, what uh, one author in his book described as independentism, which is at the heart of all foolishness. Independent of God, independent of his word, independent of anything uh, of his created order, independent of his redeeming work, and a commitment to that. Declaring in one way or another that I, as a human being, am above God, am autonomous, and self sufficient. This is uh, a universal and foundational aspect to fools. And so the foolishness of the fool is set before us. it's, It's in contrast to the wisdom of God, to the life of God, to all that God would have for us, which is a commitment and an understanding and a belief in total dependence upon God. And so we have the foolishness of the fool declared. Now, there are numerous examples of the foolishness of the fools Uh, they don't all have the same expression of foolishness in psalm uh, 14 uh, verse 1 uh, we have one of the foundational declarations um, which actually uh, most fools have even though uh, even though they say they believe in god they don't believe in the god of the bible therefore they don't believe in god But Psalm 14, 1 declares, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The fool says in his heart, There is no God. That's the foundational principle of foolishness, of independentism, that then is expressed in many idolatrous expressions. Uh, And there are present Moloch's and Asheroth and Baal's today. Uh, They're called, I like to think of them as terms of isms, right? So there is globalism, there is humanism, pantheism, materialism, evolutionism, hedonism, feminism, chauvinism, genderism. There's all these isms, there's all these false idols, false gods that surround us, all connected to the foolishness of the fool's heart and mind. And in that context, we are are commanded by God not to answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. And that's not an easy thing to do when you're talking to a fool. And who is the fool? All are fools who are not in Christ. That's the the reality. That's, That's what the text, there is none who does good. They are corrupt. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Or the fool has said in his heart, this is who God is. Or there might not be a God. Or I'm certain there is no God. Or ultimately, I am God that independentism. So how do we respond? Well, we don't respond by responding according to the foolishness of the fool, his worldview. We cannot enter into his worldview, the fool's worldview, and answer according to that. And sometimes, uh, with very good intentions, uh, Christians answer a fool according to his own folly. They answer him and they... They answer him according to his worldview. They answer him according to his perspective rather than a biblical perspective. And we are declared and commanded not to do that because we'll become just like him. So how do we do that? Where do we see that? The, uh, many, there's many examples, thousands of examples. We'll look at a couple couple of examples. Uh, The fool uh, will declare, I have looked at all of the evidence, and I assume and I have concluded uh, that uh, when I look at the evidence scientifically that there is no God. And then the Christian may respond and say, well, I've looked at all the evidence, and I've concluded there is a God. And I submit to you, people of God, if that's how you approach the question, that you have entered into the fool's world and his argumentation. I've looked at the evidence and I've concluded that there is a God. Does that mean that the evidence, um, the scientific evidence, is the criteria for your uh, believing or not believing in God? That puts you as Just as the fool exalts himself and says, I am the ultimate authority and I have the ultimate methodology that will result in true knowledge that there is no God. And you go, well, I'll use your methodology. I'll use your perspective. And I conclude there is a God. But the problem is we don't want to enter into his methodology. We don't want to think the way he thinks in order to know what we know. That is answering a fool according to his folly, to his own folly. And you enter into his worldview. Rather, we need to expose the worldview of the fool. I don't have to say to him, I am dependent not upon my ability to examine evidence. I am dependent upon God to save me. I am dependent on God to reveal to me who I am. What the world is. I am dependent upon God. Now that is not to say that the heavens don't declare the glory of God and the firmament his handiwork. Of course it does. But the fool's worldview will not allow him to see that. He's in his foolishness. And I don't enter his worldview. I know who God is because God has revealed that to me. Which is a great blessing. And so I simply declare I believe God exists because God has revealed himself. Now, then I say, well, that's just circular argumentation. You know, you say the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true. Uh, the Bible declares that it's God's word, therefore, you say it is God's word. Yes. I am dependent upon God, and I'm not afraid to declare that. I will not enter into idolatrous paganism in order to think that that's the way to interact with the pagan. I rest in the truth of God. And I am confident of that truth. And that is, is a truth that, that interacts then with all the isms with the same basic truth. So I don't adopt the fool's way of talking. Now that's kind of difficult in our day and age. When I'm, uh, and especially in, uh, I, I, I find numerous examples all the time. I, I've recently had some uh, therapy on my shoulder, and I'm confronted with the world's, uh, with the worldview of fools all the time in that context. Well, how do you say, hey, that shouldn't be a problem? Well, it's not a problem when I'm working with therapists, because he goes to our church, so he's not foolish. But, the, uh, um, but there's all kinds of things that you are interacting with the world on in such a circumstance. So the first thing was, uh, they had, I had to fill out a form. And in the form, it asked me, and I know what they're doing. They're, they want to know if I'm suicidal, right? They want to know if I'm suicidal. So they asked me a question. Are you ever really uncomfortable with yourself and dislike yourself? I go, yeah, of course. I sin. You know, I don't like myself. I hate myself when I sin. I, I, don't, I don't like my, myself. So, I, so, And they said, do you ever have really positive thoughts about dying? I go, oh, yeah. I have all kinds of positive thoughts about dying. I'm going to die and go and be at home with the Lord. This is really exciting. Well, I knew exactly what they were asking, right? So I go up to the lady at the counter, and I say, you know, I said, these questions are really kind of, you know, they just don't fit my, my world view. She looks at me. And I said, you know, I said, I, I don't like myself all kinds of times because I'm a sinner. And when I sin, I, I'm really, I really hate myself. And, and I said, and, and I think about dying. I, I have really positive thoughts about dying because I'm going to go home and be with the Lord. And she looked at me, and she had a big smile and said, please answer the questions. She you don't know what to do either. And then the post survey, the post survey, right? Asked all kinds of questions about whether the people did a good job. And then in the last section of the survey, they asked this question: Was how you identify was that respected? Were you were you respected in how you identify? Um, When the Christian says, well, I identify as a male, how do you identify? And we say, I identify as a male, we have just stepped into their worldview. We've accepted their terminology. Because people of God, when they say that, they have said, you are independent, you choose who you are, and if you choose to be male, then you're male, and if you choose to be female, you're female, and the medical profession will ask you questions, and they will say, how do you identify? Did your identification Han, how you identify yourself, was that respected? Well, the error is that the genderism, foolish worldview of these fools assumes that the individual has a choice in such a matter. That is within the ability and the power of the person to choose whether they are male or female or five or 10 or 50 or black or white or human or animal. I don't know. Is that my choice? And I put down, I don't put down, I identify as such. I have to go, I can't even put down other. I have to go to notes and give an explanation of why their questions are outside my worldview. Because we are very prone simply to accept the worldview of the world and then follow along with it. But we need to make it clear that, for instance, that I am, I have these initials here some, oh yes, I am an MCBG, I am an MCBG, these are new, these are uh, new initials that we can, uh, I am male created by God, male created by God. Because we need to let people know that there are conflicting worldviews in questions. And we cannot answer a fool according to his folly. Or else we become like him. But we are to tear down the worldviews. We are to expose his foolishness. By showing him his foolishness. We can attempt to do that. We declare it. We know that it is not only science that can give us true knowledge. God gives us true knowledge. His word gives us true knowledge. If we enter into the fool's worldview... And declare that that worldview, uh, that I I can, you know, prove or that my foundation is is for seeking knowledge is just like His. Or according to Scripture, you know, the Jews thought they could get knowledge through a sign. And the Greeks thought they could do it through philosophy. But we preach Christ crucified. Which is foolishness to the Greeks, and of course, in that text, the Greeks—the word uh, "Greeks"—was referring to the to the philosophical basis of the Roman Empire, not the Greek, not the 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 Greek uh, people themselves, but it was referring to that that mindset, that trusted philosophy to give me all the answers. And the answers are found not in the foolishness of the world, but in the wisdom of God. He is the ground of all truth, the revelation of that truth. And so it is with the truth of the gospel, and of course, the, the, and the truth of knowing God, and, and so whether it's Job, in Job 28, uh, verse uh, 28. Uh, Job 28, verse 28. And to man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and depart from evil as understanding. Reflecting Proverbs 1, verse 7, where at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, we have this contrast between the fool and the wise beginning the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction and that's why uh, we could read from first uh, corinthians uh, chapter 1 as we looked at what it is that is our ultimate comfort in the context of our conviction that we are sinners we are fools and 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 we are foolish apart from the grace of god There go I. So we would address the fool uh, not in arrogance and pride, but uh, with with wisdom and gentleness and and trying uh, and proclaiming the truth and exposing the false nature of their own worldview, which ultimately collapses in itself. Because it is foolishness, it's unreasonable. It denies reality. It, it, it leads to despair and, dis, and misery and pain and suffering. And so we're reminded of 1 Corinthians one twenty again. 1 Corinthians one twenty. where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request or demand a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom through all their Socrates philosophies. No. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's the foundation of our worldview. God has worked. I am dependent upon him. Dependent upon Christ. We proclaim our ultimate and total dependence upon God. We are dependent on God as creator. We are dependent upon God for the very nature of our existence. We are dependent upon God who is redeemer. We are dependent on God for my salvation. We are dependent on Christ and his work We are dependent upon God for the foundation blocks of our knowledge revealed in Scripture. We are dependent upon God as our strength for every day of our lives. We are dependent upon God. We are dependent upon God as the renewer of our lives and the one who will renew all things unto eternity and and that we in a resurrected body in the new heavens and the new earth where God is our God and we are his people for all of eternity. I am dependent upon God. I am dependent upon God for the principles of my life in every aspect of life that God is the one who has revealed to me everything pertaining to life and godliness. That's broad in the Christian's life. It's not like my salvation is one corner of my life and and I live my life uh, uh, unto myself and everything else. It is that God and his word has given me the principles out of which I live for every sphere, every aspect, every part of my life. Every part of my education has foundational principles in his word, a worldview, a perspective, a wisdom from God that touches every aspect of my living. Second Peter uh, chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 declares that kind of broad-scoped walk before God in this way to those who, are Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Every aspect of our life. There is a Christian worldview. There is a wisdom worldview that is set before us. The, the, the way of wisdom. So confront the confused, dying, blind, dead fools in this world. Tear down their strongholds. Point out their foolishness. Proclaim the gospel in every aspect of our lives. We have a whole gospel for the whole person proclaimed to every tribe and tongue, tearing down every foolish idol. And so with confidence, walk in wisdom before our God, resting upon His word and His truth. Amen. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your word. We thank and praise you for your truth. We thank and praise you for Christ, the wisdom of God, your wisdom revealed to us. Heavenly Father, may we know that we are then to, to live out this reality in our world. Oh, Father, help us to see the foolishness of the worldviews that surround us. Help us not to answer the fool according to his folly, but help us to show the fool his folly and the the worthlessness of his own rebellion, foolish, rebellious, foolish worldview in contrast to the truth of your word, to the truth of Christ. And Father, may you use us in these ways uh, in such a way that in this and the and the clear proclamation of your word that fools become wise for they are the, for you are the one that transforms even the fool into one who humbles himself before you in absolute dependence in every aspect of our lives and so heavenly father grant us this blessing, and help us uh, to walk faithfully before you uh, in a world uh, that is so enamored with foolishness. Father, we pray that we may live in such a way to your name's honor and glory and to the exaltation of our Lord and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.